I can't even, maybe I have sensitive ears, but I feel like it's going to blow my brains through my nose whenever I put those headphones on. <laughs> it's incredible. I don't know how they do it. I don't, I'm, it actually, it angers me that there's people out there that can listen to their headphones that loud and it doesn't ruin their hearing. Like they have fine hearing and here I am. I've got to turn everything down and struggle to listen to it because my hearing is evaporating at a record rate. Evaporating at a record rate. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you know what else is bad? Sooners going to Missouri. Not oh. something that this fan base loves to see. And I guess Williams Winery, the five-star defensive end, wasn't technically a Sooner. He was sure expected to be committed to Missouri back in August. And now you get Caden Green, of course, who worked his way into Oklahoma's starting lineup midway through the 2023 season and played excellent football down the stretch at left guard. Of course, he quite shockingly hit the transfer portal last week. He has landed in Columbia where he will play for mm. Eli Drinkwitz. And, Teddy, that I, I don't know where Missouri's money come from, or it comes from. I, I assume it has some Walmart tie. Just geographically knowing where Columbia, Missouri is located and some of the involved right. parties that have money in that region. But wherever Missouri's money comes from, it's starting to make stuff happen. I know it. And it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Uh, you know, I the most frustrating part about that situation is Well, I guess I don't know, but it feels like we, like the money situation was handled, right? I mean, at least to some degree, but we never got a chance to have the conversation. At least, I mean, I I don't know. Maybe we eventually did, and and that wasn't the only thing. I I don't know, but it, it felt like perhaps we didn't get a fair shake, and... You know, sometimes guys just have decided they want to move on and go somewhere else, and maybe that was part of it. The weird thing is you never got any type of inkling at all that that was the case with Caden Green leading up to uh, the moment he hit the portal. Yeah, I don't know if we will ever get the complete unabridged story of what all went on behind the scenes there. Uh, Everything that I know... Obviously, we have discussed on these airwaves over the course of the last week or so. I think it was last Tuesday he hit the portal. But one of the things that has been reaffirmed to me in conversations with a multiplicity of sources on the matter is that Caden Green himself did not want to get in the portal. He did not want to leave the University of Oklahoma. So take that for what you will. Uh, Really? Yes. Now... You can draw whatever conclusions you want from that, but uh, what I've been told is that Caden Green himself was quite reticent to leave the University of Oklahoma. But leave he did. He is now a Missouri Tiger. And four months ago, Eli Drinkwitz's job appeared to be on the precipice of quite unstable territory. Now he's got that program playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. They won 10 games in the regular season, and 
once again, they're starting to make stuff happen in the portal. I would also consider them the leader right now to land the services of former Florida defensive tackle and Owasso's own Chris Mm. McClellan. Jeez. Well, I guess uh, guess when you're hot, you're hot. Right now, Missouri, unfortunately, is red hot in the transfer portal, in recruiting. They got some good stuff going on, and... You know, I, I'm i sure the biggest chunk of it is NIL stuff and dollars, but, you know, you also have this, um, you know, it's like the momentum effect, right? Whenever, you know, guys, big-name guys start to, to clamp on, everyone else gets a little bit more excited about what the future may hold, and, you know, you get a, a better shot at a bunch of different guys that, you know, previously maybe you didn't even, uh, you know, you weren't even on their list. So congratulations to them. Um, add, add all of this to the storyline for next year's football game, right? Yeah, uh, that'll be an interesting trip when Oklahoma goes up to Columbia. And I'll be very curious to see what position Caden Green ultimately settles on. At Missouri, what's interesting is if he ends up playing offensive tackle up there, uh, and his former high school teammate, Armand Membo, I believe plays right tackle at Missouri, and he is, trust me, that kid, he will be a high, high NFL draft pick come next season. He's only a sophomore. But if Caden Green ends up slotting in opposite Membo at left tackle, then you would presume next year he will be matched up opposite none other than P.J. Adibawara. When Oklahoma goes mm. up to Columbia, which would be, <laughs> you, you want to talk about good on good. That is the very definition of good on good. Now, sign me up for that. On the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, a listener in Maryland asks, can we get an official ruling on how to pronounce EPL's name? Heard Toby take issue with your pronunciation this a.m., he insisted it was the French Louis and was fired up and outraged. Listen, much like PJ Adibawara, I no longer have any clue how you actually say Eddie Pierre Louis or Eddie Pierre Louis's last name. I said Eddie Pierre Louis for a year and a half. Come to find out over the weekend that, well, several folks informed me I was saying it wrong. Several folks whom I trust and who know EPL far better than I do said, no, it's Eddie Pierre Lewis. Now, I know where Toby Rowland gets his information on how to pronounce names. It comes from the very top on the OU side of things. And so if those folks have been referring to EPL as Eddie Pierre Louis, then I am inclined to believe it is the French Louis, which if that Hmm. is indeed the case... I mean, we're just going to need it straight from the horse's mouth at some point. Uh, But if that is indeed the case, it makes me feel much better because at least I know I didn't spend a year and a half saying the kid's name the wrong way. I only spent four days saying the kid's name the wrong way. And Pierre-Louis just rolls off the tongue so much nicer, doesn't it? It does. Um, Ultimately, that's what we all want it to be. I'm holding out hope that it is, but... I don't know. We we often have we often often you know sometimes 
the pronunciation changes from the actual athlete over time, right? <laughs> uh, Who was the guy in the NFL that people pronounced his name wrong the entire time he was in college, the entire time he's in the NFL, and then finally at one point he just said, actually, it's it's this. I can't remember who it well, is. Well, there but- was uh, – Tony Dorsett was one of those guys. I know that. And I, I so Stephen Hauschka, who kicked in the NFL for probably a decade, if not longer. He spells, I played on his team. Oh, yeah. So he, he spells his name legally with a P-H. But apparently at some point when he was in college, somebody – responsible for typing up the game programs at wherever he went to school, spelled it Steven with a V and nobody ever corrected it until he was like seven or eight years deep in his NFL career. <laughs> that kind of makes sense. I know him. He is a very quiet hang out in the back. Don't, don't really say much of anything. Smile, nod the head, not a deep conversation guy. So I can understand that. He's probably thinking, well, I didn't want to hassle anyone. Yeah, that's funny. The text line is saying the guy that you're thinking of is Terod Taylor. Yeah, yes. That's exactly who I'm thinking of. Because everybody called him Tyrod Taylor. Forever. Forever. Yeah. (laughs) You just got to love it, man. You got to love sports. It's it's hilarious. Uh, Good. Well. It's funny, and then it's uh, absolutely freaking miserable, right? So you get you get the absolute roller coaster. Here's another one. A listener from Missouri says, Devin Achan, who is, of course, an electrifying rookie running back for the Miami Dolphins, formerly at Texas A&M. Uh, apparently, throughout college, broadcasters and the like would pronounce his name not as Achan, but as Achane. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that there was some type of pronunciation issue there, so I typically just avoid it. You know, if uh, if you are a player where you've changed the pronunciation or people have changed the pronunciation, there seems to be a little bit of gray area there. Um, not that you care, but... I'm going to totally avoid talking about you. Just how I roll. Peyton on the text line says, Totally avoid it. I'm good on the Caden Green talk. What's the word from bull practice? Oklahoma, a little Mm. over a week away from going to war with Arizona in the Alamo Bowl. Second Alamo Bowl appearance in the last three seasons for Oklahoma. So we'll dive into that. If that's what Peyton wants, I imagine that's what many more of you want. We'll discuss it on the other side. As Locked In continues, Parker Thune, Teddy Lehman here with you on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Keep it here. Locked In here on The Ref Sports Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans, Parker Thune, alongside Teddy Lehman. Teddy, where are you today? I haven't asked you yet. Where are you today? Hanging out at Bob Moore Nissan. We've got a bunch of great stuff going on. Huge inventory here. Tons of selection. They're making great deals. So uh, stop in and see us here at Bob Moore Nissan in Norman. There you go. Go see Ted at Bob Moore Nissan if you're in the area. 
hit the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line 405-651-3439 if you would like to chime in. As Jay from Medill has done, he says, there was a linebacker that played at OU in the early 2000s. His name was spelled Teddy but was pronounced Rocky. Fans still screw it up. <laughs> still, still have to fight through that problem every single day. Keep spreading the word out there to help me out. Now, uh, here is an interesting little nugget from a listener in Utah. Uh, who asks, any word on Savion Bird? Is he practicing? No, Savion Bird is not currently practicing with OU. But I am told by multiple people, actually, that there is a chance he may return to the program at Oklahoma. Emphasis on a chance. Like, nothing is done. It's not for certain that that's going to happen. But especially with Caden Green walking out the door, what it creates then is a trickle-down effect, both competitively and monetarily, that incentivizes Savion Bird's return much more so than the situation two weeks ago did. Mm. Yeah, well, um, he put out what was kind of like a cryptic tweet or something, wasn't it? What, it was an Instagram post that everybody got yeah. fired up about. What is that? What? What did that mean? I don't understand what I that mean, meant. Like d- it, t- trying to decipher kids' social media posts, especially on Instagram, is just a nightmare. And so, like, in- inevitably, it's wrong. Like, end of the day, only the kid themselves knows what they actually mean by whatever they're posting. But it was a it was a photo of Savion Bird in his Oklahoma jersey in the OU locker room, and he was talking about how or I. I don't think maybe he didn't caption it at all. It just the location tag said home. And so everybody interpreted that as, oh, Savion Bird's coming back again. Not a sure thing. He has taken a visit to SMU. SMU was the other finalist for his services out of high school. I know there is a lot of appeal to be had there, but there is a chance that Oklahoma holds on to Savion Bird. Uh, Started talking about that last week in the immediate aftermath of Caden Green's departure. And it is it is something, it is a conversation that has intensified behind the scenes. I cannot tell hmm. you one way or the other whether it ends up happening, but I will tell you there is a chance. I'm telling you there's a chance. Yeah. Well, you know, we just, uh, we find ourselves in that position depth-wise, right? Um, you know, it's interesting before Kane Green jumped in the portal, your perspective on Savion Bird was totally different, right? Yeah, I mean, he didn't really care that he was leaving. We all know that he's he's got a lot of potential. We've seen flashes from him, but we just haven't seen consistent play. The feeling was kind of like, well, you know, you're getting far more consistent play right now from from Caden Green at that left guard spot, I, we're going to have to find someone at right guard whenever Metallier's gone. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've got the Eddie Pierre EPL, I guess I should say, until we get <laughs> clarification. Um, you didn't know you were going to get him at the time, but I isn't it just dreamy to think about uh, Caden Green and EPL, and what it would have been like with those two guys in your interior. Ah, gosh dang, it's frustrating. Frustrating, man. 
It's a SEC interior offensive line at the guard spot. Boom. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a work in progress. There's going to be some stuff with with EPL whenever he comes in. Uh, he he's not going to be a polished guard on day one, but you have to feel like with the measurables, the athleticism, and the coaching that he's going to get, you're going to end up with a really really good interior offensive lineman, and you you know you what you've got in Caden Green, so it would have been so cool. A listener in Poto asks, with CG gone to Missouri, is there anyone coming back for them that could potentially make them a real threat next year? Yeah, look, Missouri's probably going to be pretty good next year. How good? I don't know. I don't know if they were quite as good as their record showed this season. I right. Mean, earlier on, they were sweating it out against Middle Tennessee State, and obviously they, they improved throughout the year, won really impressively against Tennessee, but even so, I, I'm not sure whether that is a 10-win team if you replay the season 10 times over. Uh, that said, they're going to have Luther Burden back, who was by any standard and by any definition one of the best wide receivers in the nation this year. Uh, they bring in Toriano Pride, the former five-star cornerback from Clemson. Obviously, you beef up the line in adding Caden Green. You have Armand Membo coming back, the outstanding right tackle that I mentioned. Williams Winery, the number one defensive player in the nation, oh. is going to sign there. So you've got that. And then, again, I think they're the leaders right now to land Chris McClellan because, well, put quite simply, it would seem Missouri is willing to pay a little bit more than what Oklahoma is willing to pay. Right. Right. Well, hats off to uh, Drinkovitz for turning things around and getting uh, – like the dude absolutely need a life preserver six months ago, but right now, I, I just I tell you what I don't look forward to is the bowl game press conference with him up there making a bunch of dumb remarks because <laughs> whenever he feels comfortable, they just start flowing out of him, don't they? Oh man, I mean, yeah, you let that I, you let that guy have success, and he lets you know about it real quick. It's the it's the craziest thing. I mean. Isn't it funny that I think it was May whenever it happened because I feel like it was softball season whenever he had the comment about how dumb NIL is and how these guys are making more than his brother-in-law, the pediatrician or whatever, Uh and how it's ridiculous. And lo and behold, uh, here's Missouri just throwing money around left and right and buying guys. Hmm. Funny how that works. Uh, as a Fort Gibson native, how much do mm-hmm. we trust folks in Muskogee? Uh, it's an earn it situation. Okay. It's an earn it situation. Okay. There's some of the most dependable people in the world are from Muskogee, and some of the least dependable people in the world are from Muskogee. So this is a uh, this is good. We'll have to we'll have to vet this out as we go. Okay, so Lamar from Muskogee on the text line says he was told by an SMU alum slash NIL supporter that Savion Bird will end up at SMU. So, if Lamar from Muskogee is one of those Muskogeeans that can be trusted, it appears we can concede Savion Bird to the ponies. Well, here's what I'll say about that. I. 
trust that someone told him um, that Savion Bird is indeed going to Southern Methodist. But I, I'm not necessarily like this is this is telephone here, isn't it? You know. Uh-huh. So I I just unfortunately. I can't leave it up to what he's heard from somebody. You know, that's just kind of how that goes. But uh, I think it's probably a decent sign. Ron in Alito asks, so if McClellan is trending towards mid-zoo, then who currently in the portal do we go after a D-tackle, or do we just wait and see who's available in January? Well... Yeah, I, I, I do think Oklahoma is going to wait and see who's available in January. Now, whether that means they don't pursue any de- other defensive tackles in the portal between now and then, I, I don't know for sure. But, mm. once again, there is the potential that a certain five-star defensive lineman from days gone by could hit the portal in late December or early January. And at that point, Oklahoma would be a very serious contender for his commitment out of the portal well tell me who that is and tell me what percentage chance it happens come D- on parker dj hicks i'm okay. speaking of dj hicks who's down at texas a&m right now as far as the percentage, you know how this works put a percentage on it gosh this is where i get into trouble hi well you know where you get into trouble is bringing it up in the first place okay uh, that's fair that's fair but wait that texter brought it up Hmm. Okay. Uh, I would 50, say 50. <laughs> I would say if he gets in the portal, if he gets in the portal, okay, there is a greater than fifty percent chance that he ends up at Oklahoma. Okay. Now, several listeners have pointed out on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line that Oklahoma offered a defensive lineman from the University of Albany yesterday. I'm going to see if I can get a correct pronunciation on his last name because offhand, oh boy. I, I quite simply have no idea how to say it. His first name is Anton. His last name is spelled J-U-N-C-A-J. Junkach? I don't know. but Spell that again on the... J-U-N... C-A-J. Huh. I don't know. Six foot three, 273 pounds. And, yes, he is a defensive lineman. He is not a defensive tackle. At 273 pounds, he's a Rondell Bothroyd type. He's probably a guy that would be that hand-in-the-dirt defensive end that sets the edge in the run game and – can put a little heat on the passer, but he's not in the mold of like a, a creature like PJ Adibawara, who's flying off the edge at six foot five, two hundred and forty-five pounds, and speed rushing. So he had twelve sacks this past year. Worth noting, man. I don't know what's in the water up at Albany, but apparently they know how to recruit some under the radar edge talent because the verse kid from Florida State, mm-hmm. he came to Florida State via the University of Albany. Yeah. Hey. You know, some of the some of the better players in the league come from these one-off places. I mean, look at Khalil Mack. Well, he's Buffalo, right? Um, my, I, 
where was it that Strahan was from? Was he like from A and M Kingsville or something like that? Oh, uh, no, it was. I think it was Texas Southern. Texas Southern. I mean, there's there's a bunch of really good players, and it feels like defensive line edge are kind of where those guys like you typically have these these guys that kind of come out of nowhere. And I think maybe it's because the skill position got – it's way easier to get noticed whenever you have 50 catches and 20 touchdowns, you know, and maybe you transfer out, maybe you, you know, you go to a bigger school. It's easier to get found in, in high school. But whenever you start talking about the defensive line and you grow – like you, you're an undersized guy and then all of a sudden you grow into a, a dude once you hit 18, 19, 20 years old – I, it's just like you still may not really stand out on film like crazy, and it can be difficult to find those guys. Well, that Albany I staff, like I don't know who comprises that Albany staff, but Hire it em. seems that they have now hit on two straight outstanding edges that could be NFL players one day. Obviously, Verse is expected to be a first-round pick, and Anton Yunkash, I – I, I have no idea how to say it, but old old big Anton, he had a lot of suitors very quickly when he hit the transfer portal, and Oklahoma was certainly one of them. We will continue to field your texts and questions and comments and thoughts on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line coming up next as we continue to talk all things OU football, recruiting, and transfer portal. Keep it here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. The Homa Sooner fans, this is Locked In. The pronunciation authority has spoken. During the break, Teddy Lehman, I received a phone call from one Michael Eugene Steely, who informed us that the Albany defensive lineman's name is pronounced Ancon. Or uh, I already got my tongue tied over it. Anton Junkaj. 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 So, Junkaj. First, I like that. Yes, first J is hard, Junkaj, and then the second J at the end is that J sound. So, I trust Steely's word. He typically is a man who does his oh. research thoroughly, and he informed us that it is Junkaj. Now. Well, hang on a second. Yes. I'm, I'm catching, like, is it Junkaj or Junkaj? Junkaj. June. Okay. Junkaj. Hard J. Yeah. Junkaj. Okay. I f- I feel like and you're you're as sharp on the pronunciations and articulate as there is out there. I was th- there was a gray area on the first <laughs> couple of times you said it. And maybe that's smart. Glenn, some down in there. Glenn from Nashville on the text line says, "Holy crap, fellas, I love the ref and all the shows. You know I'm a fan, but Goodness, can we quit talking about Mizzou and Caden Green and Eli Drinkwitz and Williams Winery? I listen for OU News and could give a rat's behind about anything Mizzou. Mm. Mizzou will have a fleeting bit of momentum, as Teddy said. Then they'll slip back into mediocrity. Yeah, look, Glenn, the Caden Green stuff is newsworthy. It's newsworthy for OU fans. We're not going to spend the whole show talking about it. We've discussed it. Yes, we can move on. Uh, Mark from Enid says, I love Steely, but Teddy Lehman is the pronunciation king. 
<laughs> if only that were true. I will say it does happen that um, a large amount of people do follow my pronunciations, even when they know they are as wrong as they could be. And I like that. That's how we know we're all on the same wavelength. It's like, it's like a, I don't. It's like it's coded language in broad daylight, right, right out in front of everyone, and nobody really knows what's happening. And that's how we all know we're part of the same underground revolution. A listener in the nine one eight says, "How long?" And this, I, I'm very curious to hear your response to this question, Ted. How long can OU realistically let elite recruits slash players leave the program for better NIL deals before it starts catching up to OU and eventually be left behind with everyone else outspending them? Not long. Not long. It cannot last very long. There are a finite amount of elite football players on our roster. Um, Some teams right now are in a better position to lose some guys than others. We are probably a team that is on the higher end being able to afford it or make up for it. Um, We're not the highest, obviously, but, you know, we're definitely, like, I would say 85% to 90% of the teams in college football absolutely cannot recover when they lose a five-star player, right? It's just you are not going to be able to to replace with anywhere close to the same amount of value of what you lost. Now, Oklahoma is not in that boat. Um, we do a really good job replenishing, and all you have to do is look at who played this year for us. Uh just on the offensive line, three of the guys of the starting five for most of the year, well, I guess uh, four of the guys. Well, you had uh, Walter Rouse, you had Tyler Guyton, you had Metallier. So three guys were transfer portal guys. Your tight end was a transfer portal guy. Your quarterback was a transfer portal guy. Your number one wide receiver before he got injured was a transfer portal guy. I mean, that's that's six guys right there just on offense. And you had a top five offense in the country, and you're a 10-2 football team, right? So yeah. that shows me that you can replace at a very high level. A lot of schools cannot do that. So we can we can withstand it, but... You know, we haven't for the like. Caden Green is probably the first guy, especially with as much eligibility as he had left, that was playing to the level of his recruitment, and he left. That is, is he the first one? I would say so. Yeah, I mean, besides the obvious, which is Caleb Williams, yeah. right? Yes, like Caleb I, Williams, I'm setting right. that one aside. But yeah, I mean, like that is the first, the first truly consequential loss 
save, of course, for Caleb in the portal era for Oklahoma. There, and we've lost some receivers, and we've lost sure. you know a handful of guys, but those mostly those guys were highly recruited, hadn't lived up to it at that point, and wasn't a shock that they left and would probably do them and maybe even us some good to move on. Caden Green's the first one where it's like, Oh my God, no, this can't be happening. Because he had, he was a five star kid. Like, what was his ranking whenever he came out? Caden Green? He's like, was he the be- he number was... one tackle or number two tackle? No. So, I personally, I would have ranked him last year as the number two tackle in the country. I thought the only guy better than him, well, no, number three. The only two guys better than him were Francis Malagoa, who went to Miami, and Caden Proctor, who went to Alabama. I would have said yeah. he's a top three tackle in the country. I believe he was ranked maybe across the industry in the consensus at number eight, maybe among tackles. He was he was top one hundred across the board. Everybody had him in the top one hundred. So was he not? I, I thought he was a five star. Was he not a five star? He was not a five star. Okay, well, he played like a five star from the moment he showed up. Um, you know, got thrown into the mix because Rouse missed spring, so he was playing left tackle. Uh, right away with the ones and held up nicely. You know, got beat as you would expect, and but kept grinding, kept grinding, and lo and behold, if you if you work and you you do all the things that you're supposed to do, opportunity always arrives, and it did. And he played left guard, got seven starts, and played his absolute tail off. And the last game of the season. There were some snaps. Like he was good the whole way. Right? There would be good, and then there'd be a little bad, and then there'd be you know he played good for you know a, a, a run of plays, a drive or two, and then there'd be a little bit of bad, which you know is to be expected. He was way ahead of the curve, and then the last game, there was a lot of good, and buddy, there was. A handful of elite, and I'm not talking about elite freshman play. I'm talking about elite offensive line play, where he's passing off twist and he's, you know, his technique is coming full circle and he's playing, you know, in a good position. It's like finally some things clicked, and the and the the physical ability matched the technique and. So he play, He was playing well above his recruitment level. And that's a rare one. Like, that's the first one other than quarterback that we've had that's transferred out that I can think of at least. Yeah, huge loss for Oklahoma any way you slice it. But and there, somehow we ended back on Caden Green in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll, we will move on coming up next. We'll get back to some of your texts. Uh, we will – discuss the portal its ramifications nil versus culture all of that Mm. as we wrap up locked in coming up next i have no doubt that's a topic that we will continue to delve into over the course of the three hours that follow on the rush keep it right here on the ref the homeless sooner fans back to wrap up locked in here on the ref sports radio network parker thune alongside teddy layman uh Going back to the conversation we were having last segment, Teddy, we'll be curious to know your thoughts on this because we've gotten the text probably 20 times this hour. 
Well, how long can OU keep letting schools outpay them for players? And the way I see it, I don't know whether you agree or disagree, but the way I see it is there's absolutely no data to suggest that buying players equals winning. Because, look, if your end-all, be-all is to assemble the number one recruiting class in America, that can be done with money. It has been proven that that can be done with money. Texas A&M did it with a flourish, all because of money. But all the schools that have built an identity around dropping the bag, whether to recruits or to portal players, none of those schools have won big. You don't have to look any further than the four teams in the college football playoff right now. And maybe Texas is the one that plays the NIL game uh, a little bit more than the other schools. And you have to play the NIL game these days in order to keep everybody satisfied Mm -hmm. and compensate your guys accordingly. But in terms of overpaying for players, that is not something Nick Saban does. It's not something that Kalen DeBoer and the Washington staff does. It's not something that Michigan does. All those programs are championship-level programs today because – they have built strong – and I'll give Steve Sarkeesian credit, too. Like, he's made the culture at Texas stronger than it has been in years past. I don't know whether I would call it truly strong yet, but they were able to take advantage of a weak Big 12 this year and make a run to the college football playoff. Mm. And so culture is the common denominator with those four programs in the CFP field. They all spend, not going to act like they don't, right? It's not like they're shelling out $0 to their recruits and transfer targets. But spending money is not the reason those four teams are in the playoff. Right. Yeah. Well, most of them except for Texas and maybe Washington. So I guess maybe it's just Alabama and, and Michigan. But. Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia got to where they are. The coffers were full player-wise before the NIL stuff ever came around. So they've had a they've had a larger kind of margin for error, I guess, so to speak, if that makes sense. Um, they were ahead of the game whenever everything started, and and we were too to a certain degree, right? I mean, we weren't certainly like Missouri was not um, ahead of the game whenever the NIL stuff came around. Like, this is – they're one of the teams that have benefited the most recently. I mean, even Texas, to a large degree, they weren't performing well, but they had a lot of really good athletes on on the roster. So, um, yeah. Now, here's the thing. I – we – I don't know how many times we've really been outbid. I – we didn't even technically, I don't think, I mean, I guess we don't know what the ultimate number was that he signed for, but I, I don't know that we got outbid by Caden Green. You know? I, it sounds like we matched that with Caden Green. And I guess you could say that with Hicks and maybe Winery, but I guess you don't necessarily know. And, you know, maybe, maybe he comes back around. I mean, I think we led in both of those on relationship and – Eventually, that may pay off. Well, again, every school in the country plays the NIL game. Really, more than anything else, it just boils down to who is willing to overpay. The schools that are willing to overpay, 
those are the schools that make the splash additions. But whether you can turn those into wins, again, the data doesn't necessarily bear that out. All right, three hours to the rush coming up. Teddy and I are back on the other side. Keep it here on The Ref.